4: on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick
2: Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Thursday, August 13th, 2020. It is season 16 and episode number 14. Welcome to another edition of The Break. We are very happy to be back with you guys. Starting up the 60th anniversary of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm here live at the Star. Nick, you're here live at the Star, but we're separated in different offices. Amber at our home studio, Dave at his home studio, and of course our producer Chris Beam helping us get everything going here. We appreciate you guys joining us. we got a lot to talk about today. First of all, welcome back to my crew. It's good to see you guys. How's everybody doing today? Good to
4: do. I'm, good. <laughs> I'm wonderful. I'm happy to happy to see you guys. Let's go.
2: So last night it gets really interesting. Uh, I made all the show notes for today, and uh, we were talking about it. I think we were all on the same page. We had a lot to talk about. Uh, and then news breaks that the Cowboys go out and agree to terms with uh, a pass rusher that's a pretty good pass rusher. Uh, Everson Griffin agrees to terms with the Cowboys, reportedly, a one-year6 million dollar contract. Think about this. This guy is a, has been in the Pro Bowl has been to the Pro Bowl for the last five seasons. Uh, he's accumulated 44.5 sacks over those last five seasons, averaging about 9.5 sacks a year. Only year he had under six sacks was 2018, when he only, had, he only played 11 games. So my question for you guys is, first, what was your reaction when you first heard that the Cowboys made this deal? Let's start with you, Nick. You know,
3: it's like, what else for, for one day? You know, I mean, we've had a lot a lot of news that day, and you know, it was a good cap or to to the entire day uh, I I think it, it'll be a it'll be a good uh, addition but you know I I don't look at it as it, it's gonna put them over the top unless the defensive tackles are better because if the defensive tackles aren't better then I don't think he's going to be much different than Robert Quinn who got him to eight and eight so it, it could be a good move but I want to see if it's if he's going to be a huge upgrade from what they had last year
2: amber
0: I think, I mean, definitely surprising. When I saw that on my phone, I was like, what? What is going on here? It definitely is something that I was not expecting. But to me, I see it as a great addition. I wonder if maybe they feel like the whole Randy Gregory thing might not happen after all. Because initially, I remember after last season, we were concerned about the pass rush and them trying to get to the quarterback last year. And then you lose Robert Quinn, which was your most productive guy last year. And this year, we were talking about Alden Smith and Randy Gregory coming back and all that. You do get Alden Smith back, but you still don't know what you got going on there with him yet. So it makes me think or wonder if maybe... they're just kind of not seeing the whole Randy Gregory thing happening for this season. And I know a lot, a lot of fans are always asking about Randy Gregory. I don't know why so many fans like Randy Gregory so much, but they do. So I just think it's it's a great addition to just help the whole line.
4: Hellman. AG, hey, I'm so glad you said that because it was such a perfect segue because my primary reaction is that we're still learning so much about what this team's gonna do under Mike McCarthy. I know it's technically a front office signing. I don't care. This is a head coach thing in my opinion because under the old regime, we would have heard we like the guys we have. Randy Gregory's still out there. We feel good that maybe he can come back. We're gonna work with what we got. Mike McCarthy's like, what if we don't do that? What if we go get a talented, affordable veteran who can help the pass rush? It reminds me a lot of the center situation Because if you go back to the draft, you think about McCarthy saying, yeah, I know we had Connor McGovern and we got Joe Looney, but what if we drafted Tyler Biatis just to really make sure we address the situation? So this strikes me as Mike McCarthy saying, why don't we go ahead and turn over every stone that we can instead of just hoping that what we have is good enough. I love it. I love the approach. I love the fact that he's talented. Yeah, he's got 76 career sacks, or 75, excuse me. Love it all the way around, not just because he's a good player, but the approach to just never stopping adding talented players. It's what good front offices should do. Love it. Can't say enough about it.
2: So let's talk about where he fits. Um, you look at a guy like him, and obviously with his resume, he's a starting caliber player. Does he immediately step right in and become the starter opposite uh, DeMarcus Lawrence, in your opinion? Is that for me? It's for any one of you guys who want to jump in.
4: I mean, he, he hasn't had an offseason, but the good thing is that nobody's really had an offseason. So, you know, he's, an enough, he's a 10-year veteran. I assume he's been taking care of himself. I assume, you know, he'll pass his physicals and all that. So I doubt he'll be that far behind. And, yeah, I mean, you know, Tyrone Crawford's going to be part of that, Alden Smith as well. But, yeah, I mean, my expectation is that he can handle a starting caliber role for sure.
2: Nick, let's talk a little bit about what you mentioned a few minutes ago when you first talked about it. Uh, and you mentioned the fact that you don't think this is necessarily um, a game-changing type move for the Cowboys unless the defensive tackles are better. Talk a little bit more about that and talk about it in the context of the defensive tackles that they've picked up this offseason and what you think you can expect from them and then what it means for this defensive end uh, signing.
3: I mean, Don't get me wrong. He, I think it's going to be it's, it's a big upgrade for what they had you know, 24 hours ago. But my my point is, is we've seen this defense not with the same coaches, but we've seen this defense with with personnel that that Robert Quinn came in here and he got 11 and a half sacks. Now I was surprised by that. I know Dave was. Derek, you argued with this. You thought he was going to be a top match. I don't think you thought he was going to go 11, and a half or 11 sacks. But either way, he, he was really, really good. And I think Griffin is probably – I don't think the expectations would be that high. So all I'm saying is is, is unless the defensive tackles are way better, that changes the whole dynamic. Now now you're, you're working with something here. But, you know, to me, he's going to be kind of what Quinn was and what D-Law was. I don't know if that changes a whole lot, but I think
2: McCoy and Poe will change that. Yeah, I actually think it's really interesting there because I think if you look at the production of what Gerald McCoy particularly has been throughout his career as a pass rushing defensive tackle, I think he's a guy that's gotten a good amount of production. You know, when you're talking about five or six sacks uh, for a defensive tackle, that's significant. Um, and I and I think that 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 I think he will be more more disruptive. I think. Uh, they will require uh, teams to, to pay a little bit more attention in the middle. And I think it does help them uh, from that standpoint. I think both these defensive ends, uh, the, the the two starting defenses in, defensive ends, at least the way I'm projecting it, um, I think will be even better. We'll be able to produce even more than last season. I think Tank's going to be better than he was last season. So I think it's ultimately yeah. going to be a, a good move for the Cowboys. You
3: know, Robert, yeah, did you have something?
2: 20.
3: Go ahead. Go ahead, Nick. I was just saying real quick, in 2018, which is not that long ago, you know, there was a Pro Bowl being played that had McCoy, that had d that had Griffin all on the same you know, line there, probably playing at the same time. So you know, just to be two, two years ago and to have those guys now on one team, that's pretty
2: good. Talk to me about what this means for the other defensive ends, particularly Crawford, Alden Smith. How do you think this affects them, if at all, uh, we'll start with you, Amber.
0: Honestly, I think this whole thing just goes back to experience. Just because of the whole like not having an season Right now, I think you're, you're just going to have to rely on the guy that has the most experience and who can pef- perform better during practice. I mean, I, those guys are great. Tyron Crawford, I think he's a great piece to have just because of his flexibility. And in case you never know what player what happens or what's gonna happen this offseason with the whole covid or whatever other injury a guy may suffer throughout the process i think uh having tyrone crawford not just set in a single spot it's just gonna help them out and just keeping him being like keeping that flexibility with him to move around and as far as alden smith i don't know i don't know we just have to we haven't seen of him for such a long time so I think that, that he he's just has the whole experience disadvantage on his side, but you just never know how players are going to perform at the moment of everyone getting back on the field.
2: Dave, what are your expectations of Alden Smith? I mean, he is a guy that, um, and I put I put uh, him in, in a category of a guy that, that required very little from the standpoint of risk for the Cowboys, but at the same time, the potential upside for the Cowboys I think is huge especially if he can get back to and this is the part that's a little risky he can get back to what he was before he uh his his career was cut short uh I think back in 2015 was the last time he played maybe so um what are your thoughts on Alden Smith and what you think your expectations are for him I guess at least from a standpoint of not only play but but where they can use him and how quickly they can use him
4: that's honestly for me that's part of the beauty of this Griffin signing. I mean yeah, and it's it's totally fair to be excited about Alden Smith's upside. And the same thing kind of goes for Tyron Crawford. Not, you know, he was never an Alden Smith type of talent. But both of those guys, you feel good about what they can do. The question was always can you lean on them? Can you expect Tyrone to stay healthy after two hip surgeries? Can you expect Alden Smith to get back to that level with Everson Griffin in the mix, you don't have to count on that as much so they can you know whatever they can provide you is great. And this honestly makes Alden Smith that much more exciting because if it's me, I'm putting him on the field in obvious pass rush situations. I would have a nickel pass rush package where he's on the field at the same time as Griffin and Demarcus Lawrence. You know, Mike Nolan hasn't asked me for my opinion, but that's something that I would consider. Um, Put that guy in on second and third and long and let him go to work. And you don't have to worry about him holding up against 60 to 70 percent of the snaps. So this should help him. Do what he does best, which is get after the quarterback in passing situations. So, in a way, I think adding Griffin, you know, makes me even more excited about Alden Smith because I'm not asking him to do as much.
2: Yeah, Nick, I, I, I'll take that a little different direction. Uh, some of the, I know you and I have had some conversations uh, about some of the younger defensive ends on this team, particularly guys like Jelks, Jackson. I think Jelks was one of your guys that was a pet cat for you last year during training camp that you kind of liked. Um, Obviously, Armstrong played quite a bit last year, and then the Cowboys draft uh, Bradley and I. So when you look at those kinds of guys, how much does a signing like this affect those guys? Because, again, we're talking about a roster where you may keep at the most five pass rushers, and that fifth one probably is going to be a guy that does both in, in someone like Crawford, right? So maybe two of these guys at the most can actually make this team. How does it affect those guys, and where do you think that all shakes out?
3: Well, I think it affects them a lot. I mean, yeah, those guys were pet cats because they had to be better than Taco. They had to be better than Doris Armstrong. You know, you you thought that they had a chance to to play a little bit more. And now, if you're trying to figure out how Tyrone Crawford and Alden Smith get on the field, yeah, it's going to be tough for a guy like Jelt, uh, who has never played a snap, Joe Jackson, who's played about 50 snaps. Um, So, yeah, to me... I think it comes down to who was the most disciplined this year in the off season, and who has helped themselves the most in the weight room. You know, who comes back in the best shape, whether it be Jackson or Jelts or Armstrong. You know, somebody – there's really only one spot there and who takes
0: it.
2: Now this question is going to be for everybody. I want everybody to chime in on this. I think uh, the common uh, thought right now by most people that observe the Cowboys is that this offense – um, is on a different level than the defense. That the Cowboys' success this year will be driven by how successful the offense can be. Um, how much do you think this signing, um, in in I don't know, in whatever terms you want to put it in, whether you're being optimistic or pessimistic, how much do you think this signing um, makes the defense a little closer to being able to pull its own weight um, and really complement what this offense may be able to do, especially if it's the high-powered offense that we expect it to be. Let's start with you, Amber.
0: A, it's a I mean we've said it it's a great addition and obviously that that's just a plus that's something else to to have in there and someone with experience but the thing is to me we talk so much about the offense because we we've seen the offense we I think we have a clearer clearer better picture of what this offense is gonna look like I mean they have the addition of CD lamb and other guys in there but we have overall just a, a better vision of what that whole offense is gonna look like as opposed to the defense. There are so many little different parts that we just don't feel 100% sure about. For example, the whole secondary, we're still trying to figure out what's gonna happen at the cornerback position, what's gonna happen at safety. I mean, the linebacker group is still essentially the same one as last year, but there's still question marks around it. And we just talked about the whole defensive line. There are new elements in there that, yeah, they're exciting. And it's going to be exciting to watch, but we just haven't seen it yet. So I think that it's a great addition for sure. It's going to elevate the the defense one way or another. But at the end of the day, we just can't have a full, clear picture of what that's really going to look like just yet.
2: Dave. Yeah, I'll,
4: you know, sorry, Nick, but I'm going to steal your talking point a little bit. But, I mean, they had Robert Quinn last year, and they were bad. Um, So... You know, adding Everson Griffin is not a cure-all by any means. I think if they're gonna be better, if they're gonna be good, it's gonna be because of the coaching. Uh, you know, Mike Nolan, Jim Tom Sula having another Pro Bowler to work with is exciting. Um, but you know, they had they had just as much, if not more, talent last year, and they were mediocre or worse. So it's not so much about the players, in my opinion. I think it's it's on the defensive coaches to take this talent and do something with it because the talent was there last year.
3: Yeah, and and I mean you're right. The talent was there at defensive end. I think I think what my point is that you know I never really agreed. Of course, I don't like to, to you know discredit Marinelli because I mean he, he's he was a great football coach, but I just. To me, when everybody's going up to the quarterback, every single guy, then that's going to expose you to to draws. It's going to expose you to to guys because he wants these rushmen. Well, these guys aren't very big, and so they get locked on by a guard or center, and then no one's at the quarterback. So I think that the way that they changed it, they got these big guys up front. They got talented guys in the middle, uh, and you know, I just think it'll help everybody on on the outside. So, but Derek, to answer your question, I, I think the offense is still. I mean, a great offense will give you a great defense. 1992, Cowboys had the best defense in the NFL, and it was because of Emmitt Smith, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, and having fourth quarter leads. Now, Charles Haley helped, but if you have a great offense that can score points and give you leads, it'll make your defense better.
2: Yeah, I think that's the point, Nick, and uh, it was the point that I would have made, that when you look at this team, I think, uh, the great part about it is, and Dave, you've used this term, that Team 40 burger. I think you guys started using that back during the draft. But yeah. the fact of the matter is that if this offense really can live up to that kind of potential where they are putting up tons of points every week and they're consistent, and, and, and we saw it last year in spurts, we just didn't see it consistently enough. But if they consistently are putting up big points, now I think what, what they've done with this signing is they've actually created a defense that's very complementary to a high-powered offense. You give them a lead and then you say, go get the quarterback. And now they got horses that can go get the quarterback, right? So I think that this, this move really gives them the ability to play complementary football to an offense that they expect to be high-powered. It's still going to revolve around, can they be high-powered? Um, and I think there are a lot of other issues that will come into, into play if the Cowboys can't really score a lot of points or they find themselves in games where, where, where it's more of a defensive struggle. Then we'll rely more on, can the linebackers play, play up, to, up to par? And can the safeties make tackles and cover the deep part of the field? Those are all the issues that come up um, that that they may not have to deal with as much if they could play with a lead. So I think it'll be be interesting to see how much the offense uh, can be consistent and how much that then affects this defense's ability uh, to play complementary football. We're going to take our first break. When we come back from the break, we're going to get into a lot of conversations uh, from yesterday, Jerry Jones, Mike McCarthy and Stephen Jones had their opening press conference. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that they discussed. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio.
1: Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal.
2: Uh, it's okay.
1: Just okay? What's not
4: too... It's right above the subway.
1: Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the...
4: That's my neighbor, Angus. The deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Do you want the most interesting up-to-the-minute Dallas Cowboys news straight from the star in Frisco? How about exclusive and on command? That's right. News and nuggets you can't find anywhere else. With our exclusive Cowboys content on Alexa, you can have all the answers. Secrets, stories, and more. What's Stephen Jones thinking during a game? What's Joe Looney's favorite pregame meal? We take your questions to Cowboys players and coaches, and you can hear the answers directly back to you. Just say, Alexa, open Dallas Cowboys.
1: Whether you're into being a part of this or more into something like this, SeatGeek has the tickets to the events you love. It's the easiest way to find, buy, and sell tickets. Plus, with their deal score technology, they'll recommend the best seats in the house at the best value. So the next time you're craving this... See Geek app and let's go.
4: tumblers at otterbox.com.
3: Back to the break. Get your training camp coverage with the 2020 Dallas Cowboys Star Magazine Training Camp Preview. The preview includes an inside look at scouting reports, position battles, final roster projections, and more. Get your copy today for only $4.95 at dallascowboys.com. star.
2: Welcome back to the break. We are uh, here live. I'm live at the Star. Nick's live here at the Star. Not in the SWBC Morning Studios, although I do think we'll probably get back in there. Hopefully, at some point in the future. We'll see when that actually happens. Maybe I'll go down there next show. Uh, but we are uh, very happy to be back with you guys. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what happened yesterday. The Cowboys have their opening training camp opening press conference uh, where Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy and Stephen Jones addressed the media. Um, and where I want to start is, is where I think everybody was expecting this whole thing to start. Um, there's been a lot that's been going on in our country over the last several months, obviously everything with regards to COVID, but also a lot of things around social justice. And, and there was kind of this, this, uh, this waiting, I guess, from the standpoint of the media and fans uh, to hear from, from Jerry Jones with regards to the topic and specifically with regards uh, to players kneeling during the national anthem. And, and yesterday, the first question in the press conference dealt with that. And so we had an opportunity for the first time to hear from Jerry on the subject. So, my question for you guys is what were your thoughts after hearing his statement? Uh, what did you take from the statement that he made about players uh, potentially kneeling this year uh, as, the season, as the games begin? We'll start with you, Nick.
3: Well, you know, I, I thought they, it was clear that, they, you know, he, he had you know, the word uh, in mind. That uh, with grace. I mean, that was what that's what he said. He said it a dozen times, I think, in his in those answers. And so, what does that really mean? I mean, I, I I'm not sure, but but it, it sounds like he's going to be more you know lenient towards things that you know that that might have happened a couple years ago, three years ago. Uh, you know, he he said that was then, and this is now. And I thought that was the probably the most important part of all that. Uh, so whatever you know he had said, and and his stance was. You know, I think now that he, he's going to be more understanding of that. But without talking to the team and players and having those conversations yet, he left it kind of vague still. But it does sound like you know he said he's going to be graceful in in things that pop up and trying to understand what players feel like and and you know get their perspective back and forth and, and hoping that the fans can understand that as well. So, Dave. I want to start off by addressing the
4: person that's listening or watching this who's, I guarantee you, you're sitting there saying nobody cares about this, talk about football, nobody cares. It's not true because my email inbox is absolutely full of people that have something to say about this. People care a lot, even still. Even after the summer that we've had, even though this is three years old at this point, people feel some type of way on both sides of this issue. And my main reaction is, I hope the Cowboys don't make the mistake of thinking that nobody really cares. Uh, because, and, you know, I thought what Jerry said was very smart. He walked the line very well. Dak Prescott did the same thing. Mike McCarthy did it a week ago. Where the thing that concerns me is, it's nice to say that you're going to have these conversations. You're going to have grace. You're going to think of the right way to do it and they've got the benefit of time they've got a month until the season starts but when the season starts and the national anthem plays people are watching paying attention they care there are people that don't want you to kneel there are people that want you to kneel people want you to come up with some sort of different way to say something whatever but people are going to be paying attention so i hope they're smart enough to actually follow through with this because if they don't if this is all just lip service they're going to be in for a rough time when the season starts and things actually start happening, whether that's fans, the president of the United States is going to have something to say about this at some point. So I really, really hope that they follow through on this and have some honest to God conversations, or they're going to be in for a rough time when the season starts. Amber.
0: Yeah, I I agree with everything that they've said. And I am one of those people that, you know, when, when, we didn't hear anything out in public, you know, to the media of Jerry Jones kind of speaking about the issue. I was one of those people that it it bothered me. And I'll be honest, it did bother me because you, you, you want, or you expect that the people that you're surrounded with are people that kind of believe or have your same beliefs. And I, I, I was just waiting for it. So when I heard his answer, it, it was, it, it, I liked his answer. I liked the way, I mean, he wasn't super clear about it, but if one thing that Jerry Jones has is that he, he's a very smart guy. He knows how to handle different situations. He knows how to find that median line of w- what can I do to please both sides. You know, and and we saw that a couple of years ago what they did and how they handled the situation back then, and I thought it was a very clever way. I know that there are very very mixed opinions um, on this issue, but I do believe that that the Cowboys and from what I know of Jerry Jones, he will do his best to have those conversations, even though he ha- he said he hasn't had them yet with these players. But I do believe that they're gonna be having those conversations and that eventually they'll figure out a way to be able to to stand for what they believe and to support you know the players at the end of the day and what he said was basically he wants to support his players and and what they feel you know you this is a time to listen sit back and listen let other voices be heard so if anything uh, jerry jones is a it's an expert at finding that right balance in between to kind of try to please everyone.
2: Yeah, this is a a really interesting topic, and I don't don't know that that yesterday really cleared up anything from the standpoint of giving any definitives because Jerry wasn't definitive on exactly how he's gonna handle this. Uh, He did say, obviously, he's gonna have the conversations, and I think at the end of the day, uh, we will see, as Dave said, we will see on that first weekend of games, when the National Anthem is played and you see players across the league um, you know kneeling, we will see how teams respond to that. We'll see how the NFL responds to that. We'll see how Jerry responds to that. Um, and then based upon that, then I think we will all be able to have a, a, a much clearer idea of, of where we think things stand and be able to give a, a clearer idea on what we think that means. Let's go ahead and move on. I mean, uh, Mike, McC- go ahead, Nick. Well, I was just saying, you know, what... what
3: uh, haven't we already seen this a little bit with the other leagues? I mean, like when you said we see how people respond. I mean, is it – are people going to respond, like, you know, publicly? Like, you know, oh, I hate that the NBA teams are doing that. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of public backlash of that. Well, I mean, no, you know I,
2: how it goes. We, we know exactly who would – It's out there. Who would – <laughs> and there, there's am. certainly some criticism that's happening. Uh, but, but to be honest with you, I do think, and this is my personal belief, and sometimes you, you kind of have to be careful because, I, you know, my sphere of people may be very different than your sphere of people or anyone else's sphere mm-hmm. of people, right? And, uh, but in, in my sphere, like, I haven't heard any negativity other than some national negativity that's more, you know, political-based, right? right. Um, and, and certainly from the standpoint of, of, of looking at ratings, doesn't seem like the NBA is hurting from from all the the, the different uh, um, acts that they've had over the last month uh, that have have uh, brought attention to, you know, social injustice. So I don't I don't know that there is there's a ton of it out there, but there certainly is. And I think that's the nature of our country. And by the way, that's the way our country is supposed to work. We're not supposed to all think the same things, and we should have a right to be able to get out there and speak our minds and be able to talk about the things that are important to us and why it matters to us. So I'm okay with the idea that there are multiple views on this, um, and I expect that if, if that happens with the NFL, there will be multiple, multiple views on that as well. Um, let's go ahead and move forward to Mike McCarthy and his comment uh, that he made. He said, basically, they're trying to create this Oxnard-like environment here at the Star. And I do think the the, the Star is really uniquely situated for uh, a situation like this. Obviously, you've got the Omni Hotel right here on, on site. You've got indoor facility, you got outdoor facility, you've got uh, really great accommodations that have a lot of space uh, for, for the team to kind of space out and do the things that they need to do. That all being said... Um, with, with what they've kind of established here in the way of a bubble, and Nick, you've been really close to this because you have a little more access than some of uh, the rest of our team uh, because you've kind of been a part of the kind of the tiering system. But that all being said, um, what do you think of, of kind of what they've been able to create here, specifically now with the virtual bubble, I guess, that the players are creating with the Omni and not necessarily going home every night but staying at the Omni? You know how close is that to what they would have been able to do in a situation like in Oxnard?
3: Uh, I, I think you know they're they're doing the, the best that they can, obviously, and and uh, yeah, I mean, other than w- when practice starts, you know, Friday or t- tomorrow, and you go out there and, and you, you'll feel that it's not Oxnard. I mean, we know that, but <laughs> other, everything else, yeah, I think I think they are doing that. You know, there, there's there's a hotel, it's right there, you can walk over and do it. I mean, aside from, you know, getting a giant q-tip up your nose every day and there's not going to be a lot of of, you know changes masks and distancing and all that but but yeah you're right they they have tried to establish this the best that they can now again it's optional for players to stay at the omni um and it's not like an ota where it's like we need you at practice it's optional this is this is different everybody's got unique situations at home and all that so but it does sound like there's there's quite a few players that uh, being one of them that are that are going to be up here at the uh, omni
2: yeah, Dak said yesterday that he would guess uh, anywhere around 90% of the players are going to be staying here at the Omni, which is a great thing for them. And I- I'll take it to that next uh, to the next question. Dak actually said that he thinks the healthiest team wins this season. Uh, with that being said, Dave, I-, I would like to hear from you. Like, do you think that there is a, or what is the likelihood that you think the Cowboys continue with the bubble uh, going into the season, knowing? That there is a belief that the healthiest team ultimately has the best shot to win this year, win it all this year.
4: Yeah, I mean, I know, you know, you can't make guys do it, but that's a hell of a compelling case to keep it going. I mean, when when Dak said that and when I really thought about it, it's about as excited as I've been this entire offseason that football might actually happen, at least at least for the Cowboys, because. If 90% of the players are bubbled and they're all doing what they're supposed to do, I mean, we've seen it's working beautifully for the NBA. MLS, man, like they finished their season already. You know, no positive tests going all the way back to July. It works. If you can control the environment that well, it works. And so if the Cowboys' entire roster is accounted for and they're all at the hotel, you know, we've all been there. You can walk literally from the lobby of the hotel to the Ford Center without ever going outside. So it makes me really excited that the Cowboys can keep this thing under control and get through training camp. And like I said, I mean, it's a big ask to expect somebody to live in a hotel from September until New Year's, but if it allows you to keep your team healthy, it sounds awfully compelling to me. Like I mean, you know, like I said, I don't know how you make people do that, but if it gives you a, ch- a chance of staying healthy and finishing the season, it's definitely something I think they should look into.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because I've always wondered, as the NFL was putting out its protocols, I always wondered why they didn't essentially create team bubbles. I know they couldn't. There are too many players in the NFL to take all the NFL teams and put them in one bubble like the NBA did in Orlando, right? Um, there's way too many people that are involved. It just I don't think that would be practical. But I did think, you know, why wouldn't every team create their own individual team bubble uh, at their facility or wherever they choose to do it, practice there, meet there do all the stuff that they do there and then pick up your bubble and take it to whatever city you have to play and if you have sterile planes and sterile buses uh and you take them to a hotel that hasn't been that's been thoroughly cleaned and you keep it kind of locked down to just the players while they're there there's a way to do this to where you essentially have one pristine bubble meeting up with another pristine bubble and the chance of someone being infected becomes much smaller now of course that always means that you got 53 at least 53 guys not including the staff and the coaches and all that that have to be away from their families for whatever portion of the season you're talking about but if you want to do it in a way that that gives you the best chance I think that really gives you the best chance so I love the fact that they're talking about this uh their own player created bubble um and I think if the Cowboys can do that and do that well I think it does help them I'll ask you this question, Amber. I I was wondering about this from the standpoint of the quarterbacks. Because of the fact that you you look at Dak's statement that the healthiest team wins, I'll take it one step further. The healthiest quarterback team wins, and that's no different than most years. You lose your quarterback during the season, the likelihood that you're going to be successful diminishes significantly. It makes me wonder in a year like this where the Cowboys have actually invested in a legitimate backup quarterback in Andy Dalton, should the Cowboys consider employing a method where maybe they treat them like the president and the vice president, where you keep them apart at all times, right? You don't let them actually come in contact with one another, so that if one gets gets the, the virus, the other one, the likelihood of the other one getting it from him is is very very small, and you always protect yourself with a quarterback, a capable quarterback, at any given moment. What do you think about that?
0: Right. Well, real quick, going back to Dak's statement when he said that uh, yesterday it just automatically made me think of like a survival show i'm like okay i started seeing players drop out because of COVID from different teams and i'm like okay <laughs> the cowboys are still in they got players healthy they're still going another thing that that led me to think i'm like you know what frisco there's not much to do in frisco as far as like a nightlife there there are no strip clubs around in frisco so players can't go out and go do that so how do you, you know? know i i don't know I don't know, but <laughs> Frisco is just a nice little, you know, a lot of nice restaurants, very yeah. chill, nice, nice place, but families, nothing too crazy. Yeah. Nothing too crazy. And Dak actually even mentioned uh, yesterday about not being, you know, in a city like Dallas where players would have the possibility of going out to different places. And another thing I wanted to add to that whole scenario, I did get a chance to talk to one of the rookies and he was... Um, just talking to me about the advantage of being in the omni that after they get done through the day they can go back to the hotel and still be able to um keep learning with each other's like like get together in small groups even of two or whatever and just keep learning the playbook keep learning and going over things studying and everything so um i think it's a great perfect environment that the cowboys have with their whole facility but going back to the whole quarterback thing. You know, I, I had not th- thought about it that way at all until you mentioned that. I'm like, huh, that, that that would be pretty smart. I mean, it's not a bad idea at all. But then you go into the whole thing of that can happen with anybody else, too. What, what happens if, again, and that was talked about during the press conference, what if Mike McCarthy gets it? What if a coach that's necessary gets it? Or you just cannot co- fully control who's going to get it but if they do have the chance and if some if one of them is somehow listening to this show and heard your what you just said about the quarterbacks I mean I I think it I don't think it's a horrible idea to kind of keep those two separated from each other and just to be extra extra careful with everything because we know we've seen it we've seen the Cowboys have issues plenty of issues when a quarterback goes down so why not Try it out and see. Prepare yourself. All right, so,
2: so now that I have your vote of confidence, I'm going to text Jerry as soon as the show's over. I'm going to tell him you might want to keep the quarterback separate, and let's see if we can uh, make that work. All right, we're going to take our final break. We'll come back. Uh, we got to talk a little bit about Dak. Uh, he had a press conference yesterday as well. There were some interesting things that he talked about, particularly around his contract and uh, and how he looks at coming into this season and playing without uh, having a long-term deal. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio.
1: Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal.
4: Uh, it's okay.
1: Just okay. What's not too. Right above the subway. Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the
4: That's my neighbor. Angus. A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's best network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score, September 2019.
2: Back to the break. Welcome back to the break. We are. I am live at the uh, SWBC Mortgage Studios at The Star. Not in the studio, but I went down there this morning. Uh, Nick is here at The Star as well. Amber and Dave at their own homes. We're going to continue remotely with these shows for uh, the foreseeable future. We just know that starting next week, our schedule changes up just a bit. Uh, we'll get back to our weekly shows. Uh, on The break will be uh, every Wednesday at 11 a.m., um, and we're going to continue that uh, presumably for the next week, two weeks. Uh, but no doubt, by the time we get to the regular season, we will be in our regular full uh, season schedule where we'll be on every single day. We'll let you know the time. Uh, when we get a little closer and we figure out what coach's schedule is going to look like with the team to make sure we're available to go to practice and press conferences and the whole nine but next week we're full into it we have all of our shows starting back up we'll have our press conferences uh, each day we'll have practice going on and I just got confirmation we are going to be able to resume training camp live for those of you out there who have consumed that content in the past um, about three times a week we will be able to bring you guys some uh, sights and sounds from practice and we'll have our writers Uh, talking you through some of the different drills and some of the players and how they're performing on the field during practice Uh, so that will be really really exciting as well. Um, Let's get into Dak Prescott and I want to talk a little bit about some of the things he talked about yesterday but I want to start the conversation first just getting your overall opinions of Dak because I walked away from that press conference just it's not that I'm not impressed with him normally but you watch him in a press conference like that and the way he commanded the room and the the way he made the, 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 the types of answers he gave where it seemed like he was being transparent but at the same time uh, controlled in what he said uh, and just I just walked away from it so impressed with Dak Prescott what were your initial thoughts just kind of watching him up there and some of the things he said maybe even something that really stood out to you about what he said let's start with you Nick
3: well I think when it's probably third and 12 and four receivers and a tight end come to the huddle and start talking all at once and he, he does a pretty good job of being, like, one at a time because that's what happened the entire press right. conference was everybody going at once there. So he did a good job of feeling that. He's probably had a lot of practice, especially when Dez was here, to, to do that. Um, I, I thought, yeah, I thought he did a nice job. He really did. I thought he did a good job of, of, of you know, handling everything. Um, I will say this. You give somebody, you know, four months off to, to not talk about anything, they're they're probably you're going to be pretty, you know, uh, ready for it but he, he does a good job but he's always been great in those press conferences and, and yesterday was no exception
2: Amber
0: I thought that in all his answers I, I felt him so genuine you know sometimes when we we listen to him throughout the season in the locker room I mean he, he's he's always been a great speaker and can speak in front of everyone but yesterday I I got a sense of more like Dak of of genuine and Dak in there and, and getting a good feel of, of what were some of his thoughts and emotions and one of the things that I'm I mean we'll have to figure out what happens uh, in the future next year with the whole contract issue and what happens with the economics of the NFL but just overall listening to both sides Stephen Jerry Mike McCarthy and then Dak it seems like that they seem good to go like it it doesn't seem like there's any hard feelings or anything or at least they're not showing that so you always want to keep a good relationship uh, at your workplace and and be able to have everyone get along so I think that 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 made me feel better and happier to listen from both sides just to make sure that they're both kind of somewhat on the same page they might not be on the same page just yet but on the same book at least Dave,
4: I think everybody knows at this point that I'm a Dak Homer, but I don't care, man. I I felt like To that whole time, but that's my quarterback. That that's how I felt. Uh, It was yeah, it was freaking awesome. I mean, the guy stepped from eloquently talking about police reform and you know trying to get people pardoned on death row to talking about taking accountability and staying safe during COVID. Talking about his contract talking about the coaching staff, the way the communication has improved with Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore. It, it I mean, he's always been an impressive speaker, but it was it was extra impressive given the circumstances. And, I mean, yeah, Nick's totally right. He did it on a cluster F of a conference call too. It wasn't like a normal thing at his locker where he can look people in the eye. He's doing all of this remotely without even being able to tell who's talking to him. Um I I just I think Dak's the man. Everybody knows that's what I think. And yesterday just uh, gave. I mean, I don't know how you could be a Cowboy fan and you don't have to love his play if you don't want to. But I don't know how you could be a Cowboy fan and not be happy that he represents your franchise. He's just he's awesome. Yeah,
2: yeah Jerry. Uh, one of the things that was interesting to me was both. Uh, and and this is not surprising, Jerry being optimistic. But it was it was interesting to me to hear both Jerry and Dak be optimistic that a deal would get done next year. Um, it, uh, one of the things that struck, st- stood out to me was Dak saying that he believes that the nature of some of the conversations at the last minute uh, before the deadline uh, hit uh, between Steven Jones and his, his agent, Todd France, makes him believe that maybe they even have a better understanding of each other uh, that will work in their favor of being able to get a long-term deal done. All that being said, it sounds right. Like right now, everybody feels optimistic that something will get done. By the way, we've been hearing that for the last couple of years.
0: Well, see, Where this is what got, I don't. Sorry, ahead, this is what I don't understand. Because when I heard that, I mean, if you had those conversations the day of, and you're like, "Okay, now I get you. You get me." Then why didn't it get done that day? Well, I, I, I don't get it.
2: It does sound to me like, and this is this is one of those challenges of. You know, everybody always talks about the Cowboys having the philosophy that deals that, that deadlines make deals. But well, one of the issues with deadlines making deals is sometimes everybody's waiting too close to the deadline so that when you actually start to talk, you actually literally run out of time in trying to finalize a deal, right? Do you and, remember the Packers so,
3: game? Sorry, yeah. but th- this is the Packers game where you just sit there the whole game and don't do anything until the fourth quarter and then you start throwing the ball around and everybody's like, well, man, why didn't they do this earlier? And they're like, well, maybe if they did, they would have won the game. I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing. I think Dave's clapping and she's right. I mean, if, if, if you made progress in the last hour, why didn't you start maybe two weeks earlier, maybe a month earlier, maybe two years earlier? I, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's more to it than that. And Jerry makes a good point about, you know, COVID had affected a lot of these because there's a lot of those guys that did not get deals, uh, other than the Chiefs, I think, um, with franchise players. I think Derrick
2: Henry maybe maybe two.
3: Oh yeah, Henry got or a deal. A couple. That's right. But you know, I, I I just think that, you know, I it just it just does it's unsettling to hear. Man, we made good progress at the end when you've had two years.
2: Right.
4: If, I mean, if the Cowboys are confident that a deal is going to get done, then what on earth are they doing? Like, that's really – that's what it comes down to because the only, re, the only way it makes sense to not have a deal done is if you're comfortable moving on. Because guess what? You, I mean, you don't want to give up the negotiation and pay him too much. You've already done that. It has already happened. The tag is going to go up to 38 regardless of what happens with the salary cap. You are already committing to paying him $38 million a year – because you have to tag him if you don't get a deal done. So the price tag is now $38 million. It's it's gone up already. Without him playing another down, it's gone up. So if they're confident that they're going to resign him, then I don't understand the strategy. They should have just, I mean, sorry you have to lose the negotiation, but they should have just done it. It doesn't make sense otherwise.
2: Well, Jerry did mention that you know the complications of doing a deal like this in the midst of a pandemic Um, makes it a little bit tougher and gives you some different dynamics that you really don't know, right? For example, let's assume for a second, and these are all assumptions, but let's assume for a second that something happens where the NFL can't play the whole season this year. Well, that means it affects revenues, which means that going into next year, revenues are down, and then you're working with maybe a much smaller salary cap, and that can be affected by the amount of money that then you would have to pay. Maybe there are other things that that are unforeseen right now that will be – um, that will be things that, are, that, that affect how you do the business of football based upon the fact that we're in, in, the, in these tough situations financially as a country because of COVID. So maybe that's a part of it. Who knows? I'm just saying I think there may be more, and it may be a little more complex than just simply the number of years and the total amount of money. I don't. But that,
0: just, does, does that lower – sorry, does that lower – what dak is wanting to get as the total amount of money or do you just go like okay well whatever i'll just see what other team can actually pay me this much i i mean i get it that it affects revenues and and all of that but at the end of the day how does that affect from a player's perspective and what they're trying to to get from you know whatever team and salary
2: Well, the salary cap still is a function of how much you're going to get paid, and, and I would suspect that let's just, again these are assumptions, but but if revenue is down significantly, then that's going to affect the overall salary cap, and the players and owners may have to go back and rethink how they're they're doing contracts and that sort of thing in order to. I mean, you saw it this off season. You saw how it played out where before the players showed up, there was a whole deal that had to be worked out between the players' union and the and the uh, and the NFL owners. Uh, to be able to figure out how they operate under these circumstances. So all I'm saying is there's a lot that's unknown because of COVID. We've seen a lot of businesses in this country uh, be very adversely affected uh, by COVID. So um, I, don't, I don't know that the NFL will be affected or will be more affected. Uh, what I do know is that it's an unknown right now, and that could pose some challenges when you're talking about a deal as large as something like this, and certainly for the extended period of time like this.
4: I would have an easier time believing that if, you know, Miles Garrett hadn't signed a gigantic extension over the summer and Chris Jones. I don't even want to bring up Pat Mahomes because it's such a different contract. But, you know,
0: but <laughs> I mean, player. you know,
4: yeah, well, for sure. But, you know, 10 years. But the Titans signed Derrick Henry to a huge four-year deal. Garrett gets a five-year deal. Like, and I know Dak's deal would be worth it. But, Dave, part. you
2: just you just said, though, but, Dave, you just said, though, we talked about it at the open of this segment. There's only a couple of those guys that were that were that were franchise guys that got long-term deals. So I don't think this is just the Cowboys who were worried about how does this how does this look in a new COVID world?
4: Absolutely not. But the Cleveland Browns were comfortable giving Miles Garrett like 140 million dollars, and it's it's not what Dak would get, but it's not chump change either. Um, right. And on top, and but those are exceptions. I know I know there's a lot of unknowns, but in the long run in the four, year long run the nfl is going to be just fine like when they can get around to playing games the ratings are going to be nuts like there might not even be college football this year the nfl is going to do numbers and they're going to be fine in the long run so i don't know all the ins and outs but i just i think they could have made it work if they really wanted to
2: and maybe they could have i mean everything we're hearing suggests that if they would have started talking maybe a day before that then maybe they would have had a deal right so you're you're probably right and to be quite honest with you i think that it gives me more optimism to believe that the cowboys get a long-term deal done because of the fact that uh that it sounds like they were they were actually making headway in the last couple hours minutes whatever before the deadline expired and they'll pick that up hopefully this off season and hopefully nothing happens this season that totally changes the dynamics. And what I mean by that is Dak plays extremely well or Dak plays extremely poorly. Then you got a whole different set of circumstances, and now we're back at ground zero versus him just being on the steady incline, which he's been on most of his career. All right, real quick, before we end the show, I did want to, to real quickly, uh, with practices starting tomorrow, I wanted to go through the, the whole roster with you guys and just see um you know what what is if you had one thing that you're most excited about watching um heading into camp what is that one thing it could be a player it could be a position group it can be a camp camp battle give me one thing that you're most excited about watching heading into practices tomorrow let's start with you amber
0: I mean, it has to be Dak and the receivers. I want to see CeeDee Lamb in action and the connection between him and Dak. Uh, They've been practicing together during the offseason here and there, and we've seen a few little clips of that, but I want to see it in real life and, and see how that all looks like. That's always very exciting, and I think those are Probably one of the easiest things to watch during a training camp practice, aside from the the defensive line and the O line and you know linemen going at it against each other one on one, those are always pretty fun as well. But mainly the wide receiver and see how that connects with them.
2: Dave, I
4: think anybody that's listening to this show can probably tell you what to expect about most of the roster, except. The cornerbacks. Uh, it's you know, it's not the juiciest thing, but it's it's the position we know the least about. I mean, who's gonna who's gonna be the top trio? Trayvon Diggs is he good enough to get in there? Jordan Lewis is the new coaching staff gonna give him a shot? Nobody really knows what to expect, and uh, I I can't wait to see how it
3: shakes out. Nick, both both of those answers because really every practice that you ever attend, and we've attended just about every one of them. Um, you know, you know, in the last, in you know, what, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever, we we always say cornerbacks and receivers. That's the only thing you can really judge in a practice, other than did the quarterback get the ball there, did he get open, and did the guy you know catch it, and was he covered? So to have C.D. Lamb and Trayvon Diggs, those two that were just mentioned, I think those are the ones that you know not only is it easy for us to to, to you know evaluate that, it'll be easy for us to see from wherever we are going to watch
2: practice from. Let me give you guys one more quick note, uh, one more quick question before we end the show. Um, Think about Mike McCarthy, and he's had an opportunity now to address the media a couple times, few times. Uh, We've had an opportunity to see some of the things he's trying to do with this team. We've seen his staff that he's assembled. Um, What do you think right now, um, and I'm going to kind of put you in a position where I want you to make a comparison. What do you think is the, greatest thing that he brings to this team that may not have been here with uh with Jason Garrett
3: a big shiny you, trophy how about a shiny trophy and a big ring that he that he's won <laughs> at the stadium I'm about to say remember that time that i won the championship i mean garrett can say it too but he was the backup quarterback you know or the third string quarterback uh, but i'm just saying experience of of winning and uh and you know having a, a developed a quarterback that arguably is one of the best of all time um, you know I, I just think that that he's, he's got that experience so um, and, and he brings that to the table of a team you know that that was close to winning last year on a lot of games that just needed to learn how to win and now they're bringing a coach that has one
2: all right amber
0: just something fresh something completely new I mean we with- I don't hate Jason or anything, but we knew what Jason was going to be wearing. We knew what his first word would be. We knew what he was going to do. So we knew every single move. It was, I don't know McCarthy. I don't know McCarthy what he's going to do. So I cannot be predicting his first moves in comparison to Garrett. I could predict basically everything he was going to do. Dave. This is going
4: to sound like a shot, and I swear I don't mean it to, but I would say expertise, probably. I mean, when Jason Garrett got this job, he had never been a head coach. Mike McCarthy's been a head coach in this league for a long time. He's been to four NFC title games in a Super Bowl. Somewhere Jason Garrett never made it as a coach. Uh, Jason Garrett, he elevated a lot of young coaches. Sometimes it worked out, Mark Colombo, Kellen Moore. Sometimes it didn't. Uh, And that's not the case with this coaching staff. Damn near... Every coach on this staff has years and years and years of experience, whether you want to talk about Jim Tom Sula, Joe Philbin, Mike Nolan. Uh, like, like most of these guys have been there and done that at every level of the NFL. Um, so there's just a lot of expertise that I don't know necessarily was there, especially in the last few years of the Jason Garrett era, um, you know, I think the, I think that coaching staff was in over in uh, excuse me in over its head a lot of times, and I I don't think that'll be the case with these guys.
2: Yeah, I thought it was very interesting that Dak yesterday when asked a similar question talked about the authenticity of uh, of Mike McCarthy and how he presents himself to the team, and I thought that was really interesting because I mean, I, and that's probably been one of the biggest knocks. Uh, publicly on Jason Garrett when he was here was that you know, fans certainly saw him as a robot and didn't see him as, as real didn't see him as authentic and, uh, and so it was interesting to hear Dax say that's one of the things that stood out to him about Mike McCarthy and so we'll see how it all turns out we've seen uh, those of us that have been around here for a long time we've seen a lot of different coaches come through the door and you, know, you just never know you never know how uh, they're going to resonate with the, the team and you never know long term the amount of success that they'll be able to generate
3: but let's, let's be clear, too, when you listen to McCarthy. You know, it's not like Bill Parcell's press conferences, you know, 15 years ago. There's coach speak involved. There's a reason why they're guarded. Jason Garrett would, would talk for 10 minutes and not give you an answer. Guess what? McCarthy does the same thing. Yeah? You know, when he was asked about Cheeto moving to safety, I mean, that answer was just like he was sidestepping and dancing around it. That's what coaches do. You know, and uh, they they don't want to give up more than, than they should right now, and so you know, I, I he's injury, he's more interesting, and, and Dave and I have been able to be in a couple spots already with McCarthy, and he's 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 really cool. Um, but when he's when he's on the mic, there, I don't know if there's a huge difference there, which is fine.
2: Yeah,
4: I I mean, at the like football coaches are going to be football coaches, just like you said, but right, Mike McCarthy at least kind of acts like a person um it's just it's not so ridiculously robotic as it used to be which yeah i mean the answers are basically the same but it's it's a little more refreshing to feel like you're talking to a human
3: being
0: he doesn't do the smile
3: dave are you saying that if you run into mccarthy at the airport going to the senior bowl it won't be really really awkward well, that depends on if I mean, did he just get fired? Because it would probably be awkward in that situation. But, <laughs> That's uh, gonna be awkward. That, I guarantee that might, you. That might have been one of the most awkward situations. Dave, Dave walking over to talk to Jason Garrett in this blue was, shirt, but it didn't have a star on it this time, and that it was rough. weird. I guarantee yeah. you, if we run
4: into Mike McCarthy in the airport bar, he probably won't say how are we doing, guys. I feel confident. I feel confident <laughs> about that.
2: All right, guys. That's it. We appreciate you guys joining us. We're back next Wednesday, 11 a.m. for another episode of the Break. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Helm, and Amber Garcia. I am Derek Eagles, and this has been the Break live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been
4: a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How
1: about this, Cowboys? Yeah!